0: It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me, They can see it in my eyes.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Jonathan Title Podcast. My guest this week is Nathan Kane. Uh, he is of the band Whalebones, and also is a producer down in the Indianapolis, Indiana area. Um, kind of a backstory on how I know and met Nathan. Uh, as you probably have heard on my podcast, a few times I've mentioned that I book shows, mainly on the smaller scale of getting, you know, small nationals or even mainly a lot of local bands and stuff around here in the uh, Grand Rapids slash Michigan area. I had a f- mutual friend that knew Nathan and they were looking for... Uh, stop on a tour they were doing around the Midwest. I solely took the show based on liking the Whalebone EP that was out at the time, and just thought it was genuinely, really honest and sincere, and, and it really resonated with me. And I decided, you know, that I would take on the show. But it was a lot of fun, and a lot of the people within the show were all really close friends. So. It was really cool to kind of see, you know, a collection of people hanging out and telling stories and just having a good time. And I guess at the end of the day, that's kind of what putting on shows is all about: is just creating a really fun and relaxed atmosphere for people to enjoy and watch a collection of artists, you know, perform their music. And hopefully, it takes with somebody and becomes a new band that they enjoy, you know, listening to and trying to see whenever they can. The reason I wanted to talk to Nathan though was a little bit about a, a reoccurring trend here in that I'm noticing. In music in general, is people covering popular songs, uh, posting you know all these YouTube videos of them covering songs and stuff like that, and I kind of feel very, um, I don't know, it's not indifference because it obviously means something to me, but I would say it's something that I am finding to be kind of annoying. Um, there's more of a another issue. Uh, it's one of those things where I hate. I hate's a strong word. It's something that I'm coming to having an issue with because I think it's a cheap way to get people to watch what you're doing, Uh, but I I think the other side to that is that it is a thing where I'm tired of seeing these these YouTube cover videos of a popular song, and then when people go like, oh, you sound like so-and-so, or, you know, whatever that you know someone in that band's like well we don't we're not that band and you shouldn't judge us on that it's like well you put fucking put out a cover song as your as something you're doing as opposed to more songs of your own or whatever and it's like i understand doing a cover because it's fun or whatever but when you aren't an established band and you're doing this the whole point is obviously it's getting eyes on your band and if you don't have other content you're putting out other than just more and more covers How can anyone judge what your music is when all it is is basically you covering other people, whether you were influenced by them or not, or just like the song? It's kind of hard not to say, like, oh, you you know, if someone goes, like, I don't like your band or I don't like this cover, your vocalist sucks, whatever. Like, that's completely fair and legit to me because you are covering a song that exists and, and exists in a way that is known for how it sounds. And if you're trying to change it or you're not up to par, then I think it's fair that people shit on it. Uh, And some people can't take that criticism, and it is what it is, but it, it's something that I noticed a lot more, and, and Nathan has been doing quite a few covers, and so I kind of wanted to talk to him a little bit more about, you know, what is it like as an actual artist who's doing this, and what is the end product? It wasn't necessarily something I figured would have been the answer, but I think it has... Taught me to look at things in a different manner, just due to the fact that sometimes when these cover things are coming out, it's not solely about like a band covering a song, trying to get you know more hits and likes on their fucking Facebook page or you know whatever. That there there is a bigger meaning and a bigger pit goal in mind with doing this. Um, and also on this podcast, as I've said a few different times, there is a band I Prevail uh, that are from around here in the Michigan area, and they they are one of the few bands that I've actually seen seemingly have a plan behind their cover like they released a cover of a blank space by taylor swift and when they rolled out with it within i would say maybe a couple of weeks to a month they had a brand new record they were signed they probably already were signed and this is part of their promotional promotional plan which was to release the cover uh, roll out with a new album, roll out with a decent tour hitting, you know, the states and all that kind of stuff. So it's one of the few instances where I've seen like a cover that was actually pretty decent and then there was a follow-up plan other than just, well, here's the next cover or whatever. Like it seems like a lot of bands don't think too much further on the local level. I'm I'm saying, don't think too much further beyond like, well, if I cover this, then I'm going to get, you know, x amount of listens or likes or whatever hits on on my pages. And then nothing happens, so it's like all that momentum you just gained doesn't do anything for you, and then people forget about you because, oh, well, now the next other band or the next cover I like is already out, and you're already yesterday's news. So as I said, Nathan uh, and I kind of discuss that a little bit and get into uh, some other discussions about audio engineering because I'm very green at editing all this stuff, so he's kind of helped me out a little bit with some information and ways to, to make editing this podcast a little bit easier. Uh, But as a whole, it was just kind of some friends talking about uh, Nathan's uh, producing career, now that it's kind of doing a little bit more, going to school for it, and being in a band, and working with other bands, and uh, as I kind of had already discussed with Josh, like, you know, Josh uh, Schroeder in past episodes, and if you haven't heard that, go back and check that episode out, um, just kind of what a role what the role of a producer is when a band's recording, it's different for every producer. I was listening to a podcast today where people were talking about John Feldman, and he is a very hands-on person, more or less, like an, a slightly like an A&R kind of guy, and as a musician himself, he's able to kind of articulate and, and tell people, like, this sucks, let me show you how to write it a little bit better, or or do something, and I think that's nef- definitely I think that's definitely needed if you go back and listen to any of the records he did in the early 2000s. But then you even look at, you know, someone like Steve Evans, who apparently, as I've heard through through the grapevine and through other people who have recorded with him, he's kind of more laid back and chill and, and kind of like wants the song to be good and just kind of, you know, trust the band to do what it is that they do the best uh to then even people you know like machine and some other bands that are in ross robinson even who are a lot more hands-on and and whatever so it's interesting to just kind of talk to different producers um and get an idea of what it is that they do and you know their their take on everything so without further ado here's uh my chat with nathan kane enjoy evolution of your own recording stuff, Ben, because I see you were just recording the new House Olympics uh, yeah. album, or EP, or whatever it ends up, it's going to be.
2: It's going to be a whole record, it's 11 songs. Um, okay. So, uh, that was really cool, um, I guess my, my whole history with recording is what you're asking?
1: Uh, not necessarily, but yeah, sure, I mean, because I don't really know outside of, like, your your whalebone stuff, I don't know how many, like, records you've done, or EPs, or, like, how how versed in recording you actually are or how long, how long you've been doing it if it's just been like because some people uh, like I'm thinking exactly. of a friend of mine like Hayfer, like Mike Hayfer, he had a band around this area maybe you might be aware of it it used to be called The Orphan back in the day about like right. 10 years ago or so it was like a hardcore metalcore kind of band yeah. um, but he learned how to use you know GarageBand and like Logic or maybe not Logic but like Fruity Loops and stuff like that right. um, more so out of necessity of you know, just needing a way to have demos to, like, give everybody so you can kind of, like, learn your pre-pro before, like, spending real money in a real studio and all that kind of shit. Yeah.
2: Um.
1: So, I mean, it's like, you know, as he was kind of going through and showing me some, like, quick editing tips and stuff like that on, on what I was doing, uh, I was like, man, I forget that you, like, A, went to school for this. So he's like, okay, like, a trick that he was telling me was, like, all right, so when you're, like, fading out something, like, the human ear here is, like, in decibels, like, so if you take something at zero decibels and go to, like, three Like, it sounds like it dropped off, like, half the volume as a whole, so just kind of think of that as you're making your little bell shape to fade out, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of, like, it's an easy, it's a stupid, easy trick to remember, but it's one of those, like, he, you know, knowing so much about sound, it helped him with some of the stuff they were doing and his own working and stuff like that, but I don't know if you're, like, one of those people who, like, like him, is versed in, Sound and stuff like that, so you can be like, All right, like if you want to do a bass drop, like he was explaining, like on a record they did with the producers he was doing it with, he's like, All right, like let's hit an, a B note and then just crank the frequency up so you kind of get it to like you know clip. And then basically, right. they're like, Well, that's not doing anything, and I don't think it worked or whatever. And he goes, Let's go to a car real quick and play it. And then you could hear the frequency, just do the bass drop, basically. Nice. Um, so I mean, it's like, I don't know if you're like I said, that versed in. Sound and, like, I guess sound theories or whatever, or if this was yeah. something just you kind of picked up out of necessity and have slowly like started doing it on a semi more professional level.
2: Uh, no, I, I started in high school, I, I got Pro Tools when I was in high school, and I was just sort of demoing on that, um, recording things with one mic. And, um, I had a really old Windows computer, so it worked really poorly, so it was kind of <laughs> like a compromise. Just you know, I, I couldn't really delve into it as much as I would have wanted to because I was limited and like discouraged. Um, then I went to college. I went, I went to school for nursing, uh, my freshman year and realized that might not be the path I wanted to go down as far as academics. And during that time I was, uh, sort of like growing inward a lot. And I started writing a lot and wanting to like record it. Luckily the dorm I was in had a, a recording studio. So I started, it was just like a, a computer to have logic on it. And like a a room that had a key, like a locked door so like no one would bother me. So I'd go in there and I would practice recording on that. And I found out that my school had a, a recording program. So I applied for that. And it uh, turns out they only like accept 15 people every year. So it was a little more intense than I thought it was going to be application-wise. But I ended up getting in. And so I studied audio engineering and graduated with a degree last May. Um, and yeah, I, so I, I do recording full time. I mix and master. Also do engineering for people. I have the House Olympics record coming up soon. Well, I recorded it, but it should be coming out, you know, in the next like this year or next year. Um, Yvette Young's uh, acoustic EP. I engineered, produced, mixed, mastered all of that. Um, I actually just did the final masters yesterday, and so that should be uh, coming out sometime this year. And then same thing with Whale Right now I'm writing and actually i have my pro Tools session up right now and i <laughs> that's why i didn't answer the first time as i was recording something but uh yeah so I'm, I'm writing that and this is all demos right now but then it's gonna be time to actually start recording and mixing and mastering and i'll definitely have a, a large hand in that if not um an entire like complete control over that so yeah
1: do you find that with I mean I can only kind of speak personally to the difference kind of between like House Olympics and and yourself and Whalebones. Um with kind of working on so many projects kind of all at once like you you know you're saying that these these projects are in various stages, you know, between the one that you just finished mastering, you're working on demo, the demo process right now for the Whalebones record and you're you just finished up the recording process, probably moving the mixing, mastering whatever for House Olympics. Do you find that it's kind of hard to not suffer some fatigue or mental exhaustion of going from like all these things and kind of being able to uh give them each the undivided attention you may need or does it just kind of all blur together between the projects
2: yeah uh it's a little bit of all of that actually um so when i was tracking the house olympics record we did it all in just a few days so they were really long days we were doing you know 12 to 15 hour days in the studio uh, so that was definitely really exhausting. Um, the whole time we were doing it, I was, I was great. I was on it and just moving, moving, moving. But uh, the day after, when, when we were done, it was just sort of like, I just crashed. <laughs> I really do for that day. needed one day to reset. Um, but uh, as far as whalebones goes, I am taking it as slow as I want to because I write the music, it's my art. So I don't want to rush it. I don't want to enforce it. Uh, I want it to feel really natural. So, um, you know, some of these songs have... Been written for, you know, since the last EP, since the seaside EP two years ago, and so uh, definitely just want to make sure that's done right. And if I'm tired, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push it. I want to do it right. Um, but yeah, it's it, it definitely like sometimes it's exhausting, but it's it's a job and but it's a labor of love. It's something that I like to do and I enjoy it. Yeah, I don't know if that quite answers the question. Just It's a little bit of both. It's definitely tiring, but it's it's also really fun, and I am just keeping on top of everything and making sure I'm getting everybody what they need on time.
1: Have you uh, found that with working, some, working on some of these projects all kind of at the same time, have you found that maybe while working on one, it kind of gives you an idea, maybe if you were stuck on a song or a part on another one, that it kind of gives you like the, oh shit, there's the Eureka moment to go back and then kind of you know, do whatever, like, I don't really know how to apply that in, within the context of the question I'm asking, but, like, I can see you shaking your head, yeah, like, I've seen what's yeah. happened, like, the only thing I can really relate it to is, like, maybe you're working on a song or whatever, and you come up with a chord, and, and you're like, fuck, that would work perfectly for the other song that I'm stuck on, and I can't figure out what to do, even though you weren't writing for it or whatever, but I can kind of imagine maybe, like, you know, maybe you're trying to do something with like a drum like a snare tone or something like that on one, you figure out something that sounds good on another record, another song, whatever, and then you go, Oh fuck, there we go and then you just yeah. kinda get back into the creative process of, of, you know, finalizing those like, you know, at a different time. I don't know if that really ever happens.
2: No, definitely. Um so it it's always a growing and learning experience with recording. I, I feel like if you are sort of complacent and stagnant you you know you're probably doing something wrong if it's if it's all like template based um so I, I i think it's really good to always be learning from what you're doing and sort of trying something new so you know recently on the house Olympics record uh, they have some auxiliary percussion like floor tom circles or uh, sleigh bells and things like that and i found some really nice room sounds that I, I was really happy about some mic choices that uh when i go to do the whalebone stuff i'm definitely going to use that same setup um uh, and yeah, as far as like creatively and musically, like songwriting-wise, um, I definitely know what I want and I know the the sound that I'm going for. So I wouldn't say that like it necessarily directly affects my my creative process when I work with House Olympics. But um, I definitely get ideas of like tone-wise or um, recording-wise, production end of things. So that's that's something that I want to try out. On um, Young EP, we tried a lot of uh, piano and harp and violin and even banjo. So there's a lot of new instruments for me in the context of a um, nicely produced modern track. So I was excited about that because i never gotten to do that before. and uh, I can definitely incorporate that into Whale Bones. I'm, I'm trying to do an acoustic records with that. And so um, I'll definitely be using those instruments.
1: <laughs> um, something I kind of wanted to talk to you about a little bit more... Uh, you, obviously, we I mean, those listening have probably already gathered that we, that you are a musician as well as, as a producer, engineer, and all of that. Something that I've always kind of, I've been noticing, and it's a trend that I've been noticing in music as a whole, recently you've been doing a lot of covers. Um And it's something that I've noticed younger bands doing, and I get why it's being done, Uh, But I obviously don't – I've never talked to anyone who does that and and it's kind of a thing that they're doing. So I guess let me start off by saying when you do – A, when you do a cover, what are you – what is the intention of of picking a certain cover? Like what goes into picking that cover and then what do you hope – what do you hope the the end results of of releasing a cover and kind of putting the time to record it and make a video and all that? Like what is is the end goal for it?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So I – Try to dis- distance it from Whalebones well in the sense that I put it under my name. It's under its own Spotify thing, and it's under its own YouTube channel, and everything like that. Um, because I want Whalebones to be about whalebone songs and everything like that. And then when I do that, it's just sort of for my own personal thing. So uh, there's a few different reasons why I've done covers: is um, practice mixing and production. Um, there's certain tracks where I try and copy the mix as close as I can to the original, so that I can sort of figure things out and. Uh, find out something new like we were talking about earlier uh, it also is sort of to build a portfolio and show off that hey I can do these sorts of things if I don't have a, a client coming to me that's um, you know sometimes I want to produce an all rock track but I don't have somebody coming to me asking me to produce their all rock track so I just do it on my own with a song instead of writing something and releasing it under whalebones Bones I just do a, sort of a, a cover it takes you know maybe two days to do as opposed to scrutinizing over writing and then in going back and going through everything I can do it at a quicker pace because it doesn't hold as much weight um so those are sort of the reasons and then you know if, if I end up gaining new followers from the fans of the, these other bands um great then they're going to be interested in whale bones hopefully because I try and always stylize things in the direction that is inherent to me and yeah
1: um I don't, It's it's been interesting because, like I said, it's been an interesting trend to see to see bands doing that, and Absolutely. sometimes I feel like it's kind of weird because you're seeing you're starting to see it more with not just vocalists covering a song or a band covering a song, but even like here's my drum cover of a, a pop song, and and I'm right. redoing it, and then you know maybe if you end up following that person, you know there's a bunch of YouTube clips of them covering other songs. And then maybe sprinkled in with like, oh, here's an original, or here's my uh, my real band, and so forth. And sometimes they yeah. don't sound anything alike. Yeah. Um, there is one person that's from around here, and I, I kind of say this, in and in sometimes I feel like it's it's me being an older person in the in the genre in music scene where I'm like, oh, you goddamn kids, like. But uh, this this girl no, Courtney Courtney Gerwins Gerwins right. like that. She was a, a drummer from around the Muskegon area, I think, or Holland um Put i kept constantly seeing her play like all these like cover videos of like metal bands and stuff like that she had really good timing and uh really good presence on the on the drums so i mean it was like cool to see see her play and unfortunately like a lot of times like you would see it shared like oh this this chick drummer rips and it's like yeah
0: yeah, yeah. you know
1: it shouldn't matter like you know if it's a female or a male yeah it's a drummer and the the drummer killed it Yeah. yeah exactly um but the thing about it was, is she was putting on all these things and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I had the opportunity because some lab- someone at a label saw me do these cover songs, put me together with a couple of other people that maybe they found that same way or maybe were in like developmental deals. Yep. And then it's like now you're in a band that's on a smaller label or maybe like a, a subsidiary label and then you're hitting a road as the opening band, like on a package tour, probably a buy-on. Sure. And like I remember when that band all of a sudden was done and it's like, oh, now I'm part of this new thing. And it's like, I... And it kind of went back to the same thing of, like, oh, I'm doing covers, I'm doing these things, so it's always, like, is the goal to just get your name out there and, and hopefully maybe, like, something like that's going to happen to where it's like, oh, we're going to put a band together for you because all the parts collectively have a lot of, like, fans and stuff like that. For sure. And that's the end goal? Or is it just something simply where it's like, man, like, I thought, like, to me, like, a song I've I really enjoyed lately is uh, Every Time I Die is a Map Change, like... Okay. I like I love the lyrics of it. I think Keith's voice kind of shows everything he can do. There's a part around the bridge ish section section where his like voice cracks, but it's yeah. it, I really <laughs> love that part. It adds so much character to to the thing and just you know whatever. There's a lot of different dynamics of showcasing the band being able to play like like the drummer doing like a shuffle beat and kind of doing like a jangly like yeah. kind of not quite. Taylor Duda
2: the dude. Huh? You can kill it. You oh, for sure. The dude, yeah, he's awesome.
1: But it's a thing where it's like everyone gets to shine. They showcase like so much of their songwriting of like all the things they can do. Everyone, you know, it's just a it's a great song and a great yeah. collection of parts that equal out to a good song. To where like sometimes I was like, oh, I wish I could sing, and I would do a vocal yeah. cover. And I like I would love to do one of those things where you see like one dude who like plays the drums, plays bass, plays guitar, does vocals, and then does like one of those like four four part you know on the screen like a quarter of the screen yeah. showing him playing all these parts and doing it all. And it's like, that'd be so much fun. Cause I love the song and I'm sure I would love to play it and sing along to it. Like I yeah. do it, I do it very poorly as it is, but, uh, no, that's,
2: it's, you're totally right though. It's, it's about like sort of like paying respects to that artist. Whenever I do a cover, it's sort of, it's a, definitely a song I like. I would never do a song that I thought was, you know, just cheap or whatever. So it's definitely like sort of like, paying respects to them and showing them, like, how much this song means to you. I, I The first one I did was an All Get Out song, and they ended up commenting on it and just saying they really liked it. So that was really, that was really cool, you know, just sort of getting to have that, like, interaction with the band and everything like that, so.
1: It's always interesting, though, because, like I said, typically it just seems like a band will pull out with whatever the insert, the top like, top 40, 40 yeah, exactly, yep. a top 40 song. And I, yeah. <clears throat> it's like, you know, like you said, like, you did the uh, All Get Out song, I think you did a why do I want to say you did a Jimmy Eat World song or something Something else? in mean, I, I did a Thrice song. Thrice song, okay. As you say, it was something else in that kind of, like, that late, early 2000s kind of, like, alternative
0: that's rock whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's
1: what I love. <laughs> but then it's like you came out with a Weekend song, and I was like, all right. So it's like you went from stuff that's been out for a while and kind of, like you said, showcases more of, like, the era of music and the style of music you're, that's more in your wheelhouse to then doing something sure. very contemporary and, and very yeah. of the time. So I kind of was like, all right, like, are you trying to uh, stay current, relevant, whatever, and get more more views? Or is that like you said, like something where you're like, man, I don't really like this fucking track? And but after you make the comment about like the production side, it's like, alright, I can see you at then at that point. The 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 reason behind it is more of a, hey, if you are a, a vocalist who is or because I guess at that point like the weekend's not writing that song. You're not gonna get a singer-songwriter coming in and doing that. So maybe right. it's showcasing that you have the, either you as a person or you as the recording people have the ability to, to make songs that sound like that and help write for them.
2: Right. Well, and it's also, the, the cover that I did of that song is still an all rock version of it. Uh, I'm definitely tired of the whole pop goes punk thing because every song sounds the same. It's so formulaic. You know, you take the chorus of that song and you, uh, you make that the clean vocals and then scream and break down for the rest of the song. But, like, you know, I wanted to sort of throw my own spin. I think The Weeknd is a really, like, great musician. I don't agree with what he talks about. So I had to sort of, like, search through his new record to find a song that I felt I could uh, play Identify and uh, compromise with. my own morals. But uh, I I still, I really enjoy that song. I've always enjoyed The Weeknd ever since, like, House of Balloons. So, you know, it's it, I think it's okay to have, like, a, a wider range of tastes um, as opposed to always trying to do the cool guy cred of doing a, a like, more, um, like, I don't want to say All Get Outs Underground because they're definitely not, but, like, you know, alternative rock is not as widely accepted as a pop Top 40 song. So uh, sort of, you know, having that taste and going out and sort of reaching new fans who may not realize that they're into alternative rock uh, is something that I wanted to try out while still playing a song that I enjoy. So uh, in the future, I definitely want to do more of the, the songs that I – affiliate myself with like like other all get outs or thrice kind of songs but uh, I'll always do some some pop ish songs to even it out and keep myself sane
1: so um because of your kind of wide array of interests musically whether it be writing or from a production standpoint do you find that it's a lot harder to enjoy music because you're, you're dissecting it on so many levels, whether it be as a, as a musician, as a lyricist, as a, from the production standpoint. Uh, do you find that it's hard to get out of your own way just to enjoy music? And to, before you, I guess before you answer, because like this yeah. perfectly is an example of this. So I do show reviews. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because I, I've been deemed the token metal guy. So a lot of times when <clears> I <I'm throat> asked to go to other things that aren't metal... I get a lot of like well we have someone else who's more more, you know, attuned. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing was is like I remember with the City and Color show I something I latched onto me personally was I was like, man, like how ballsy like uh if I should go before you came out only maybe a month before that show that was here and I would say a good 60-70% of the set was like all that. He played one song off of sometimes uh yeah. and then i think it was two or three songs off of like little hell and ugh, i can't remember the other record off the top of my head but like basically it leaned real heavy on the brand new record and i was like that's really fucking ballsy for a dude who's been around for 10, 10 plus years and knows that people have been with him the whole time but like probably gravitate toward like sometimes in like the those first couple of records to be like no i put out a new record and i really love it and we're gonna jam the fuck out of this like yeah. sit back and enjoy and... Yeah, well,
2: I, I think like what comes with that is, is sort of just respect for you as an artist as you're growing. I was talking to my friend Blake, and he was telling me he went to go see one band, and they played like two or three songs off that new record, and then the rest of the set was all oldies, which is cool, because you know everybody wants to hear that. But then he went and he saw From Indian Lakes, and they played almost entirely their new record uh, with you know a few hits from before. And it's it just sort of shows you got conviction for what you're writing at the moment, you believe in what you're doing. Uh, I know with with whale bones, I've been playing the same like five or six songs for for a while now, and I, I'm ready to switch it up, uh, show show people something new, and also to uh, um, show where I'm at in my life and musically and creatively. I want to I want to show people that progression. Uh, it's not that I'm trying to distance myself from people who write the first record. It's just I I have to keep going as a creator. So I think that's the same thing for him.
1: It's kind of weird because, like, as I read show reviews and as I read different things about music that I love and sometimes read about songs and then the production process about things, all I can ever think about is how I would approach it. And it kind of ruins, I feel like it's kind of ruined shit for me sometimes because, like, and especially, like, going to shows, like, between booking shows myself and having friends in bands and, and doing show reviews, I feel like I look at shows completely different now than I ever used to and it right. sucks because like instead of now I'll go into a show and have a good time like I'm like alright like how many people are in the room? How much was the average ticket? What is, yeah. I wonder what the band's making. What is the door split? Like I, I, I just, it, I ruin it for myself sometimes and so I wonder for those that are like more steeped in the other end of it between production, being in a band yourself, like how how hard is it for you to listen, take in new music and not just dissect it from all angles so I always wonder with people who are more actively involved in writing and like yourself that are producers and so forth how does it affect when you take in new music or are you do you can you are you like me when going to shows like you just can't do it because you're you're too you know knowledgeable and too deep into all the other shit that you do
2: I had a teacher when I was in school who who said uh for the next few years I'm going to make you hate music, you know, and it's for essentially the same reasons that you said, you know, you know all the secrets I can hear when a vocal's tuned, when everyone else is like, wow, this person's such a good singer, and I'm like, no, it's good. It's
1: (laughs) auto-tuned. But, um,
2: but, you know, it's it's like even just like a slight pitch correction, you know, I can notice it, but, um, you know, I I don't really care anymore. Um, I love all parts of it. I love the production side. I love the creative side and the writing side. For me, ultimately, what it comes down to is was it done appropriately was it done like, well, you know, there's, if somebody tunes their vocals, I don't care if it aids the songwriting, if it helps, whatever, you know, um, you know, at a live show, I, I enjoy watching bands that I love play these songs and seeing what spin they take on it. Uh, I don't, I don't really feel disappointed or like burnt
0: out. Uh, I, I, I picture like live production as, um, sort of the
2: inherent natural tendencies of the artists. So I like seeing if they mess up. I like seeing if something's a little weird or if, um, you know, maybe it's a little more stripped down and they don't have a really nice looking, you know, stage set up or anything like that. I like seeing that because it just shows me who they are more on like a personal level and sort of like sinking behind things. Um, and yeah, as far as like overproduction or, um, Poor quality production. I think that all just aids the character of the music, uh, whichever way it comes out. I think it's all just the history of the of that process for that person. You know, if they chose somebody who ended up butchering their record, you know, to like engineer it, um, I don't hold that against them. I, I there's only like a handful of records that I cannot listen to because the mix is really bad. Um, it's other than that, it's just like, yeah, I it, it sounds a little lower quality, but that's kind of a cool aesthetic. <laughs>
1: so, what's funny to me is as someone who has gotten into production between you know people growing up when I finally had, felt like I had a a band or a scene that was kind of my own, uh, and as I was talking on a different podcast with some of my friends, you know going back through and before you had like the internet in the in the way that it, it exists now, like you know you would buy a CD, you would look through the booklets and the liner notes, and you would see like. Like, you know, you gave a shit about labels and you gave yeah. a shit about production. Like, oh man, Ross Robinson produced this. Holy fuck, this is going to sound great. Or John Feldman did this, so you know it's going to sound great. It's weird now because, like, I remember looking back at John Feldman in, like, the, the early 2000, like, 2002, 2000 to 2005, I would say, like, did a lot of shit that I really liked between, like, the first used record, which sounded really raw to me. Yeah. And same with like story of the year. Like they both sounded really raw, but the fucked up part is, is as I go back now and listen, I'm like, God, these are so overproduced, but they (laughs) somehow still sound raw. Like I, it's, it's such a weird conundrum to go back and be able to like, know that this is, I'm listening to something that's so overproduced, but in such a way that somehow it still kept the original character of the raw tracks.
2: That's what makes me excited about production. When I hear a record that I'm like, "This is cleaned up. This sounds really nice. This sounds like a cohesive, full piece." Uh, a lot of these musicians, if they if they all played together just like live and recorded it, it would not sound great. But there's a lot of work that goes into it, but it's still able to sound like human. It doesn't sound like a robot or like a MIDI keyboard doing it. It sounds it sounds real. So that's that's what's exciting to me. When I can I can tell it's produced because you can't not tell. <laughs> but, uh, but it, it still sounds like just a, a raw emotional thing. It doesn't get all the life sucked out of it. So yeah.
1: So I gotta ask you as a producer, like who are some of the people that you look up to and made you want to maybe get into production? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, as far as starting
2: out, who I was really into, um, I don't know if I necessarily always paid attention to producers specifically that I was super excited about. It was more of just albums that I was inspired by and songs that I wanted to sort of like be able to do something just like that. Um, I've always really been into like Motion City Soundtrack, uh, especially the record um, Commit This to Memory was one that I really loved. But yeah, so that record was really important to me. Um, and you know, there's a lot of records, uh, ones that still stand true to this day. I, I haven't taken Lost in the Side of Separation by Underoath out of my car in probably two or three years it's been in the player. so that's, that's one that stands to Matt Goldman uh, and Adam D produced that. And they're both really great engineers.
1: I was actually going to ask if you, how you felt about Adam D. Cause as a dude who's into like metal and metal four, Adam D has definitely left a lasting impression on how he produces records, but I right. could see it being a dude that you're not necessarily into and maybe only aware because of the other yeah, record.
2: I am. Well, I, I, I know a few kill switch songs, so that's cool. But, um, I really, yeah, it's, it's mostly because of the Undereath Records. I think he was kind of a nice balance because that whole band was really about the raw emotional sound of a of a recording and if, if they messed up a guitar part, that's okay. It's it's the, the right part for that thing. And he would he'd let them do that, but then he'd also you know, try to push them a little bit more in the tight direction where you'd say, no, you got to redo that tape and delete it before they can stop it. You know, (laughs) make sure they did it right. So, you know, there's part of that that's really inspiring to me. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's why we went to Matt Goldman to mix the first Whalebone EP. Um, Other than that, I would say maybe like Mike Watts has done a lot of things that I really respect. He's worked with like Tides of Man, uh, As Cities Burn, As Tall as Lions, The Deer Hunter, um, I really like his sound. I think he's just got a very, like,
1: Some more of it. ear. The, the Tooth and Nail, I think it's the Tooth and Nail, or Solid State, one or the other.
2: Uh, for for Solid State, well, they're both sort of the same. Yeah, so. basically. But, yeah, I, I, I'm really into, like, yeah, the, the Tooth and Nail records was sort of what I grew up with and um, sort of, like, really had a formative effect on me. But, uh, you know, there's all these different records on different labels that are really inspiring. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily narrow it down to being i absolutely a tooth and nail guy as far as creative artists or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just there's, there's a bunch of different variations on what records are inspiring for different reasons and what producers are inspiring for different reasons.
1: As I, last night, went out to do some promo photos, I've kind of been more aware of, because I had to think about How I wanted to present myself, I thought about how the, just kind of more of the aesthetic of Uh what I'm doing based in a photo, as far as, like, how much I can do within a photo. I remember, like, like checking out your record, and it's the same image, I'm 99% sure, it's the same image that's on the shirt I have, like, the weird, like, uh, ocean-y kind of... I think it's the, uh, the shirt's
2: actually a different uh, that one. The shirt's in Florida, whereas the uh, album cover is in Oregon. Okay, but but yeah,
1: yeah. But basically, like a beach, more or less.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and then some of the other images that you guys have put out through um, through like your your Facebook and and so forth, and I think some of the stuff within the CD even. But my thing with that is though is like how how much do you how, how much do you put into your visuals for like whale bones? Like how, uh, because like, like you kind of alluded to earlier, like it, it's kind of your thing. Like you do most of like the writing and all that kind of stuff. So with that being said, how, how important are the visuals to you of what you're trying to do with it being kind of your, your thing?
2: Yeah, it's definitely important. Um, it's, it's definitely all, I don't want to say calculated in the sense that it's insincere or like not genuine, but it's, you know, we, we're we very conscious of, of what we put out. We're not going to make ourselves look one way that we aren't or whatever. But um, I guess a lot there's a lot of water themes at the, for the first release. Um, I wrote those songs and what they're about um, in, on a five-day trip to Florida. And so uh, it was sort of all themed around the ocean and a progression of, like, using – a body of water as the, the like medium for my eventual forgiveness of myself and my recognition of my faults and all that. So um, that's sort of a concept EP in that way, where it's sort of like it's like surrounded by water and stuff. And so because of that, like the shirt design and the album cover and like our tour poster for our upcoming tour are all like water themed, and that's cool. And obviously, the name Whale Bones has water elements, and that's fine. I definitely am not like married to Concepts of the Ocean. This new record isn't like a nautical themed uh, record at all. It's, you know, it's just normal songs, but, uh, it was always appropriate for that time. and for the scene of that record. Um, as far as image was like promo photos and stuff. I think there's a lot of bands that do a lot of like, uh, cliche or like, you know, just, uh, tired, uh, portraits and stuff.
0: And so I think really what
2: it comes down to right now, my my thought is just to be really genuine with with how we carry ourselves. Like a photo shoot is just us sort of like hanging out and uh, you see what we're about. Um, Like at the the end of the day, a promo photo is really just that. It's a photo showing the band members. This is who is in the band and this is them making their music. Uh, But... Um not really sure. Not really sure. Yeah. It's 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 basically just that there's not that much thought that goes into like how I pose or something like that. Just,
1: not necessarily just, the posing, but I just meant more right. like the visuals like to accompany it with okay. with it being something so yeah. so Oh I see. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um so, something else well, I, I mean and, and I wanna get this before I forget and we go on to something else. Yeah, for sure. You for talk sure. about how the, the, the concept of the the whalebones record was kind of based around your trip to a, to Florida and then the water and and all these things. Hmm. As someone who admittedly already is into thrice, do you think um, maybe? Do you see where the I'm alchemy, going? Yeah, the alchemy, yeah, index, the alchemy, alchemy or, index. Like, is that maybe yeah. something that subconsciously maybe is is kind of a little more you're a little more in tune to like maybe to doing like maybe like maybe this because you already just said like the new stuff isn't going to be nautical theme but it's like have you already realized maybe like oh maybe there is a subconscious theme going on with this new record and I have to kind of figure out what it is as I'm making it or is it kind of one of those things where you're like no that's 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 not what's happening and it was just kind of like a weird one off thing that happened just due to you know right time right place
2: so yeah I didn't I didn't necessarily know that this was going to be like a band that I pursued full time at first when I wrote those songs. It was, you know, I I'd always written music and I played them and stuff like that. But, um, when I wrote those five songs, I was like, Oh, this is like, this is something new. It, have, it has to start as its own thing. Uh, the new record definitely doesn't have a, a specific theme. It focuses a lot on the concepts of like loneliness or being alone or, um, wanting to be alone or just like feeling sort of like isolated from other people just different concepts but there's still a concept there there's a concept there but it's not (laughs) as it's not as tied to direct images you know it's just sort of things that I happen to perseverate on and think about a lot Um, I guess going back really quick to what you're saying about uh, image and how calculated it is every part of a band in my in my opinion needs to be part of the art so it's not just that The music is the art. The album booklet is the art. The presentation on stage, everything is part of the art. So if it's not done creatively and if it's not done with intention, then it is incorrect to me. Um, There's something to be said for spontaneity, but there's also something to be said for, like, putting in care and intention into what you do. So that's that's what I'll say about that. But then, um, yeah, going back to the whole, like, record thing, it was just that I happened to be surrounded by water when I was writing it. I was walking along the beach, you know, like, 10 p.m., and no one else was out on the beach. Like, what's the deal with that? Um, But, you know, like, why was nobody else out there? But it was just sort of, it was nice to, you know, get sort of some alone time and some, like, reflective time. Uh, And so I used those images to sort of uh, like, personify my emotions, I guess. I guess that's the wrong. Of personify, but uh, just no, not so I, use, I use those images. Yeah, I use those images to sort of like show my emotions or what I was thinking or my thought process. Uh, the new record definitely doesn't necessarily rely on that as heavily. It's more just about being very straightforward about what I'm feeling. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't think that's necessarily like a trope that I want to fall into.
1: How hard was it for your first record? To come out and be a, a, a concept record, because typically when a band comes out, like their first, outside of maybe like a and Cambria or you know or something like, a deer like hunter or yeah, something like, like that, yeah. most most bands their first record is is, I mean, in as much as like we like talking about the use like that first record to me, I guess someone who grew up in a very in Kalamazoo, Michigan, in a very small town, and. And maybe it was just how I felt growing up from, like, a small, like, I grew up in Delaware. Like, that's where I'm from. Yeah. So, like, a small state that most people don't know anything about and growing up, like, not being around a whole lot of people per se. And then moving out here to Michigan and that a lot of it had to deal with, A, I guess maybe my friends and maybe, like, where I lived uh, as a bigger concept. But it's still a record that I identify with and I, I kind of had, like, my weird almost famous, but instead of it being Tiny Dancer, it was actually uh, Taste of Ink. Uh, when I booked a tour for a band from New York that I really didn't know anything about, we booked shows out of state where I'd never been, and that song came on. And it reminded me of being in a car with my friend, like right after I graduated, and being like, "This town sucks, and I'm 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 not gonna live here, and I'm not gonna be like a fucking townie, and I'm not gonna do all these things, and I don't know how I'm gonna accomplish these things, but like, goddamn it, I'm just not gonna do this." Uh, <laughs> yeah. So with all that being said, how? How is it no like how is it to be an artist and know that you're, like the first representation of you as this this entity being whalebones bones in your case? Yeah, it's a it's a concept record, and then maybe thinking yeah. and because I keep thinking in my head that it's like that's the first taste that anyone's gonna get to, to of your band. So people yeah. in my mind are gonna and I'm guilty of it because like I like your band and I I booked your band and solely. This sound's really shitty, and I know I've told you, and it's it's nothing, it's no disrespect to House Mix because as I've grown to like them, and I actually do enjoy they're their live show, yeah, but great. the thing was, is I solely booked that show because I wanted to see you guys play, because I really identified with that record, and, you know, it was something that I, I listened to on my own, and just kind of had my own personal relationship with, and I wanted to see it live. Um, I appreciate, I
2: appreciate that, man.
1: Thank you. Well, why am I why am I saying thank you? Thank you, thank you for for making really beautiful, honest music.
2: Yeah,
1: thanks for thanking me. No. <laughs> um, so it was one of those things though, where um, as you've been making new music, and you know, talking about like, oh, we're making new music, we're writing new music, and you're hitting the road and all this kind of stuff. As a fan of the band, I've kind of been very anxious to see where you go with it because yeah. the 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 out the concept of what you were doing and the the lyrics discussed in it and just kind of the overall vibe of the record resonates with me for various reasons. Mm. And so like I kind of am at the point where it's like, okay, like you know, I've discussed this before with other bands, there is such a thing as a sophomore slump. And it's like, yeah. maybe the thing that you're doing now may not resonate with me as much. And I'll be like, man, I really like that first record, but the new stuff, right. it's good, but it, it doesn't hit me as much. So it's like, I got to wonder, like, if you're not going with a theme per se, where at least people would <laughs> be like, I just didn't relate to that theme. You know, right. like, there's kind of the out. The,
2: the record had, like, I don't think the theme is what carried us. Uh, even though those themes existed, I, I don't think... Uh, I intentionally ever pointed out that hey, we're all like a water-based band. But everything has to be water, <laughs> like, you know. Like I don't think I, I, I. I mean, if somebody thinks that and they de- they like dig it, that's cool. But I never thought that that was the main point of what I've been doing. You know, um, I think there's a lot of just the song. The songs themselves should stand on their own, as opposed to being like, like, like they don't have to necessarily be a part of a water-themed band or a water-themed record or anything like that. Because that's not that's not what I want to do. Um, you should start saying aquatic. I, aquatic. It sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> aquatic record. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know the whole sophomore slump thing. I've definitely you know thought about it in the sense of you know what if people don't dig it as much. But uh, I, I don't think you can do a record wrong if you are intentional about it. There's a lot of records that I don't necessarily vibe with at first, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know if they're doing the right thing here, but then I recognize, oh, they were doing what they wanted to do, and this was, like, their artistic direction and their creative path and journey, so as long as I can see who they are and, like, figure out what they're about, then it was successful. There's certain records that I've heard where I'm, like, this is absolutely pandering to a certain audience, this is absolutely trying to be something that isn't true to those creators and it's not something that's within their, like, abilities, then I feel like it's an unsuccessful record. Um, So... For myself, none of this is insincere or fabricated, so I think that it's definitely something that's going to be positive for myself. You know, I, I maybe not everybody's going to like it. I think it's a little more gritty, a little more uh, grown up. intense, a little more intense sounding. As far as like musically, um, subject matter wise, maybe as well. But uh, I think I think you're going to like it as far as that goes, just because it's a little more. On the, the heavier side, but it's definitely not like metal or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I think you know, people aren't down with it. That's okay. They don't have to be down with it. But uh, it's what I need to do. It's the direction that I've seen since the start. It's sort of like just me growing into the, the writing that I do. So yeah.
1: Um, I guess we can kind of wrap up just because we're almost at an hour now. And uh, oh, no worries. Okay, I was gonna say I don't want to like keep you from like all your Dude, projects. No,
2: no I'm, just, I'm just chilling. I'm hanging out, so it's cool.
1: Um, how important is it? Because something I've noticed, uh, and it's kind of flaked off a little bit around here. And I know, like, with you and I living kind of in the mid, well, we do live in the Midwest. Uh, yeah. But I was gonna say, like, we live in kind of a tri-state area of each other, and maybe it's a little bit different with you being in Indianapolis. Maybe your your tri-state area like includes Ohio, whereas mine kind of is Illinois and you know kind of like a few other connecting states something i noticed like with with working with you guys and a lot of the people that you know we have in common as far as like bands or individuals within these bands uh is kind of like this greater sense of scene that i i, I kind of really hadn't seen no pun intended uh <laughs> since i grew up in kalamazoo coming up to grand rapids and seeing like blossoming like metal metalcore scene uh up here in Grand Rapids, uh, and even Lansing to a degree, like, kind of all melding together. There's just a, a great camaraderie, and I feel like there's there's that yeah. going on between some of the bands here in, in Grand Rapids and, and Michigan as a whole. So you guys down in Indianapolis, and as someone who's kind of a part of the scene, like, how do you feel like the Midwest scene is? Because, like, I mean, you kind of hit a few different uh, areas. For, like, you know, some of, like you can play with some of these, like, more, I would say, indie rock bands. You can play with some of the more, like, melodic uh i don't know if i'd call it melodic hardcore per se but like bands that have a little bit more sense of melody but are heavier compared to you Mm -hmm. or compared to whatever um do you feel like there's this kind of sense of community now due to just the and i don't know if it's the internet being what it is and making people like like you and i are our friends in the sense of how i feel a lot of people are friends like where it's like I saw the last time I saw you literally was at the Underworld show and that was over a year ago (laughs)
2: exactly it's been a long time
1: but we Uh, comment on each other's shit like almost daily I think in the last like little bit since we talked about doing this podcast like you and I have been like sending messages back and forth so I mean it's like one of those things where we've been aware of each other since through booking shows or whatever and kind of maintained a friendship but with being in a band do you find that there is kind of a, a new scene kind of emerging here in the Midwest or do you feel like it's just a, a small collection of like-minded individuals that kind of help push the, I won't say agenda per se, but just kind of help push everyone forward, everyone supportive and, and it, a lot of it has to do with just being not necessarily IRL friends as everyone yeah. likes to say, but just you know yeah. being able to Hey man, my friend. My friend's in a band, and check them out because it's easy to fucking share a band on Facebook or whatever, and not necessarily have to like put any real stock into it per se.
2: Yeah, I think so. There's been scenes around different places where I've not necessarily felt welcome or a part of. Um, But then I just find through music, you know, you find people who are of similar mindset to you and have similar thoughts on life and ideas and just our, you you share a common goal, which is to make rad music, so that's cool. Um, I think um, it's not necessarily that every band in the scene is a part of the scene, or it's not that every band in the area is a part of the scene, um, or the community that you're talking about. I think, you know, for us, we played a show, it's Blisshead, and because of them we found Fennec the Fox. we're friends with the guys in Drifter, and we're you know just different people like that. We you know, we went on tour with House Olympics and met their friends. You meet people through mutual friends, and I think I think that's really where it comes from—is a little bit of the internet, but also just playing shows and sort of like you know finding common interests with people that you think are really cool. So um, yeah, I think I think it's not necessarily that we're all. It's not that I'm friends with every band in a scene, it's that I'm friends with people who I play shows with, who I interact with. And they're congenial and nice, and we both can joke about the same things, and we can hang out after the show, and like have a beer, and it. it's a good time. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily that there's a new scene coming up, because I think there's a lot of bands that are really different from each other. Uh, I would say uh, House Olympics and Whale are nothing alike, um, but we're really good friends, and we've toured together, you know? And, I, I think, like, you know, us and, I don't know, like, our, our friends in Kyder the Wolves, we toured with film last January, and they're awesome. Uh, but they're definitely a uh, different sound than us. Uh, they're they're complementary, but it's not um, necessarily the same thing. Uh, and they're going to appeal to people that aren't going to dig whale bones and we appeal to people that aren't going to dig them, and that's okay. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily that there's a scene coming up that... Uh, curates and creates a certain genre of music that might have happened, you know, maybe 10 years ago or everybody was on the tooth and nail solid state grind of making that type of music, which I love. But, you know, I, I think, like, now everybody's sort of trying their own thing and supporting each other because they make good music, not because they make similar music.
1: One of my last questions. Would you rather have a song that you recorded and maybe were a part of behind the scenes, would you mm-hmm. rather have that Reach and be the thing that you you're known for, but you don't get the credit for. Or would you rather write a song, for, we'll say in Will Bones, okay. and have that be the thing that you get the the credit for being a part of, and and you get the the adoration for you know creating a piece of art that people identify with. Which which is more? I guess it's not which is more important to you. But what would you rather be known for?
2: Uh, it's kind of hard to to. Vote for that first one. I think. I think you know. If I can be involved with all aspects of the process and also get the credit for it, I would <laughs> of course do that. I would of course do that. So uh, whale bones is definitely my vote. I think maybe like what you're what you're asking is, would I rather if I had to choose solely do whale bones or solely do production? Is that maybe where that that's
1: directed? the 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 uh, the reason I came up with that question? Are you familiar with the band Sugar Cult? Okay.
2: Are
1: uh, yeah, th- okay. Yeah, I know Okay, yeah. So they're their guitar player, singer. Uh, he is a, basically, he's a, a top like, songwriter, whatever. The band Walk the Moon, uh, they had that yep. song, whatever the fuck it was called, Shut Up and Dance with Me or whatever. Yeah.
2: They're so, here.
1: okay. That's what I thought, because basically they got on a date in Kalamazoo, I want to say, opening for Sugar Cult, and that's how that yep. relationship started. Oh, okay. So it's a weird Michigan, Indianapolis thing, they anyway, are- even though Sugar Cult's yep. not even from here. Um, but with that being said, I remember when Sugar Cold ended, because Sugar Cold is one of my wife's like favorite one of my wife's favorite bands, and I had no idea that the singer went on to produce records and was a was a songwriter and all a that kind of shit. Yeah. And then when uh basically that uh that song came out and Somehow, through some social media or something, oh, I think I followed the the band Sugar Call on Facebook, and that was it. They were like, oh, we got a number whatever song because, you know, whatever, but like, hey, like our dude fucking helped co write that and produced it yeah. and, and recorded it and all that. And so to me, it's like, it's interesting because A, that dude's never going to get the credit he deserves for helping do and make that song what it became. And then, on, furthermore, most people probably won't even know that he was ever in a band and kind of was like yeah. in a pretty successful band for what they were. So at that point, it then becomes a thing where now you're a dude behind the scenes and you're, you're helping other people create their art. And maybe that is, and like my, I did a podcast with Josh Schroeder who does stuff with like the Color Morale and, and A Plea for Purging and uh, King 810 and other bands like that. Right. That is involved in the songwriting process. And it's one of those things like maybe he gets credited in the liner notes, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's a ghost writer in in that essence. But for the average person who's going to listen to a lot of this music that he's helping put out there, they won't know that it's him. They won't know like the hand that he's had in some of these things. So to me, it's like it's kind of got to be bittersweet to know that like you're still successful within the music industry. You're still writing. You're still making you know beautiful art with people, and maybe some of it will connect with other people further than other stuff. But right. at what point is it kind of like slightly bittersweet that you're like, man, like. I have a fucking top ten hit or a top five hit, but no one knows that I had anything to do with it. Like, is, is that shitty, or is it one of those things where you're just kind of like, no, it's still rad, because I I know I did it, and I know that I was a part of it, and at the end of the day, like, I created something that touched all these fucking, like, it touched so many people. I just kind of wonder from a production standpoint and or a creative person who's in a band, is there that weird maybe duality or whatever where you're you're kind of like, well fuck, I had a hand like, let's say, like, there's a song off that that House Olympics record that fucking just hits and, and blows yeah. up or whatever, and you're like, well, I mean, shit, that was kind of my part, because I was like, well, instead of playing that three times, why don't you play it two times, and maybe bring in, like, this thing, and blah, 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 and like, I helped arrange it, but, like, no one knows that, and, well, fuck, man, like, what's wrong with my shit? Well,
2: so I think the, the great thing about, like, what your original question was is, you really don't have to choose you can do both just because sugar cult broke up doesn't mean that's the case for everybody you know there's a lot of bands where you know for example reliant k he wrote with carly ray Jepson, you know so but he still does reliant k so i think it, it, we talked about this a little bit earlier but it helps break up the monotony to work on somebody else's records so you know i could bury myself in whale bones and just write for whale bones. and i'd love that but at the same time you know i want to sort of Look, be able to look at well from an objective point of view and see what's going on as opposed to um, just being stuck in the middle of it and not knowing if what I'm doing is what I really want to do and stuff like that. So um, I think my art is well and I really like feel like I, I don't want to compromise that. I want that to be true and I want that to be whatever. But with somebody else's thing, I can sort of play around with that a little bit and I can try something new and uh, you know figure out their sound and help them build that. And that's really fun as well as to put your creative energy towards something completely new and flex a different part of your brain, really. Um, Also, you know, there's that whole thing of, like, royalties and stuff that comes when you get into that whole songwriting thing. So just because, you know, that guy isn't necessarily getting credit for uh, ghostwriting on that song, he uh, is getting songwriting royalties, and that's that's pretty great for him, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) And then also... uh, know, it it does open doors as far as people looking for songwriters, you know, so that guy from Sugar Cult, he'd written for other pop artists and then when Walk the Moon came to them, they knew that, oh, he's written for those people. So it just sort of, is that um, sort of like portfolio building opportunity to say, hey, I helped write this song that's really big and that could open up doors to write other big songs or maybe, you know, write uh, a song for Sugar Cult and then uh, they end up getting the credit that they deserve because... Uh, people start to recognize that he's a really famous writer. When you think about uh, famous like producers and writers, Max Martin's like one of the first people you think of. He's done everybody from like Taylor Swift to I don't know, just like every top forty song you've ever heard. Like he has so many, so he's a huge dude, and everybody you know knows Max Martin for that. And he's gotten to that position because he's put out consistently solid hits. Um, So if he, if Max Martin were a guy who had two songs that you'd heard on the radio, you may or may not, unless you really are looking, you're not going to know his name. But if, if he's that guy who's put out 15 or 30 songs and you're like, oh, I want to work with that guy. I want to see what he's about. So I definitely think it's, it's kind of a different avenue to go down creatively, but you can do both. You can do your own art and someone else's, uh, and they can be fulfilling in different ways, but equally fulfilling. I
1: think it's. Pretty much it. The Sugarcoat One was kind of like my like oh that because that that fits on so many levels between you know a dude being in a band and kind of doing his own thing and then kind yeah. of like shifting his career uh, to be something that you know allows him to keep working within the industry.
2: Yeah, um, exactly. It's sort of it, you know there's a lot of other elements that go into being in your own band, whether that be like touring or promotion or press and stuff like that. That can get pretty exhausting. So if you can sort of like uh drop something and then walk away from it you know you like you like write the song you help produce it and then when, it, when that's done you're off the hook and you just get to like watch how it's received and stuff like that that's kind of a nice feeling so you you are the one that has to put in all the work and stuff and uh that can be that can be fun for you so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not in that um, position but I, I wouldn't mind being there someday
1: so and and kind of wrapping up, where where can people find you? What are your socials? Or is there anything that you want to plug specifically? I mean you kind of um, talk about some of the records and stuff that you have coming out that you worked on, but
2: yeah, uh, anything uh, for you
1: specifically, or the studio maybe you work at?
2: So you can contact me at contact at nason-kane.com. Uh, <laughs> my band's whale bones, we're on uh, iTunes Spotify, all that. If you follow us on Spotify, that's super helpful super rad. We're going on tour uh, March 11th to 19th, just down to South by Southwest and back. That'll be a fun time, so if you're at any of those dates, uh, come hang out. And new records should be coming out this year, hopefully, so that would be really fun. I uh, think that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in a, a metalcore band called The Wise and Spirit. We just dropped a music video about two weeks ago, so go check that out. It's on YouTube, and... Uh, We've got a new record coming out
1: this year as well. Busy, busy man. Busy, busy. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, man, and uh, thank you, dude. This is this is really
2: fun. Yeah, hopefully we can uh,
1: hang out uh, again soon at a show or something. Yeah, man. All right, enjoy the rest cool. of your day, man.
2: All right, take care, dude.
1: See ya. So that was my chat with Nathan Kane of Whale Bones. You can find Whale Bones over on Facebook at Whale Bones Music or on their band camp at whalebonesband.bandcamp.com. Speaking of socials, you can find me on Facebook as well at John's Untitled Podcast, on Instagram at John's Untitled Podcast, or Twitter at John's Untitled Pod. Or if you want to email me for whatever reason, you can find me at johnsuntitledpod at gmail.com. That's John, J-O-N, no H. We're going to leave you with a song as we always do. Uh, the song is called Hiding From the Sea by Whalebones. This was one of the first songs uh, that I really resonated with off of the EP and stuck with me. So I figured that would be just as good of any song to play to end the podcast. So without further ado, here's Hiding From the Sea by Whalebones. See you next week.
0: This mess that I've created And make me all Once more